0: Welcome to Bed Crime Stories Podcast. I'm your host, T. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, bed crimers. As always, I wish you the best. To anyone new here, a warm welcome. Thank you for checking out my channel. Let me just ask that after listening to or watching this video, if you learned something or enjoyed it, please do me a favor and smash that like button. Now, let's dig in. Soon the doomsday mom, Lori Vallow, will learn her fate. Will the jury find her guilty on all charges? Will they find her innocent on all charges? Or, more likely, will they find her guilty on some of the charges? The prosecution put on a strong case, and what they proved to me, at least, is that Vallow is guilty of conspiring to murder her children and Chad Daybell's wife, Tammy, and she's definitely guilty of grand theft for cashing her children's social security checks after they were deceased. The jurors began deliberating yesterday afternoon, and they were at it for four hours before heading home. This morning, they resumed deliberations. In complicated cases like this one, jury deliberations can last for days and even weeks, Let's hope it's not weeks because the tension is not good. Not for us, not for the families. In the Kyle Rittenhouse case, many people believe the state had a surefire win. Rittenhouse shot two men during civil unrest in Kenosha, Wisconsin. However, the jury deliberated for four days. And as the days drew on, it was pretty obvious that whatever the verdict was going to be, it wasn't the slam dunk that so many thought it would be. Rittenhouse was eventually found not guilty on all the charges. In the Alex Murdoch case, jurors came to a guilty verdict within three hours. The longest jury deliberations took place in Oakland, California. In 2003, a jury took a full 55 days to deliberate before acquitting three former Oakland police officers of the assault and false arrest of residents in the city's poorest neighborhoods. The jury acquitted them on eight counts, and the judge declared a mistrial on the remaining 27 charges. That was a complicated case. In most state and federal courts, juries must reach a unanimous decision. Every single juror must agree with the decision. Since the verdict has to be unanimous, there's no set time limit for jury deliberations, and it isn't always easy to get all the jurors on the same page. It will require some of them to bring up evidence supporting their point of view, and it will also sometimes require concessions, like maybe they find a person guilty of one count of a crime instead of two. Some believe the length of deliberations can predict the outcome. Short amount of deliberations generally means a unanimous vote, and usually this points to guilt. Think of Alex Murdoch. A longer amount of time deliberating generally points to jurors having some disagreements and are wanting to review the evidence. In the Lori Vallow case, there was so much evidence just that fact alone could be why jurors are still deliberating. Also, jurors tend to take their position seriously. They know that a person's life and future hangs in their hands, and they were reminded several times on Thursday in the Vallo case that the burden of proof falls on the prosecution. Do they all believe the prosecution proved beyond a reasonable doubt that Lori Vallow is guilty of all the charges—two counts of first-degree murder, three counts of conspiracy to commit murder, and a count of grand theft—for collecting government benefits on behalf of J.J. and Tylee after they were deceased. A long jury deliberation can also mean that the jurors are at an impasse or deadlock. If this happens— the jury's foreperson will send a note to the judge, letting him know that they cannot reach a unanimous argument. The judge almost always will tell the jurors to return to the jury room and to do their best to come to a unanimous decision. I suspect in this case the discussions are around whether or not Lori Vallow is guilty of actually participating in the crimes that saw her son JJ, daughter Tylee lose their lives as in she played a role in the acts of physically harming them. Some jurors may be arguing that Lori wasn't likely with Alex Cox when J.J. died, and that she wasn't at Chad Daybell's property either when Alex turned up there the day after J.J. is believed to have died, when it seems clear Alex was burying J.J. either alone or with former gravedigger Chad Daybell's assistance. Of course, we don't know that for certain. Lori could have turned her cell phone off. Also, a strand of Lori's hair was found on the duct tape around J.J.'s body. It wasn't on his pajamas. It was on the duct tape. To me, that points to Lori's participation in preparing J.J. for burial. J.J. was also found with a blanket That seems like something a mother would do, put a blanket in the grave with the child to keep him symbolically warm. I doubt Alex or Chad would have done that. The investigators can place Alex Cox at Chad's property because of his cell phone location. Lori has said she was in her apartment when JJ was over in Alex's apartment on the day he is believed to have died. Lori always seems to be away somewhere when the victims died. I think that was part of her and Chad's scheme. Make Alex Cox the fall guy. Let him take the rap. Tell him he's important. He has an important role to play, as in being Lori's protector. Tell him that he's going to be an important warrior upon the second coming of Jesus Christ. By the way, Alex had a traumatic brain injury after a car accident. And I'm wondering if his brain was permanently damaged from that injury, and if that could explain his willingness to believe Chad and Lori's crazy ideas about zombies and to agree to be their hitman. I fear there are questions about this case that will never fully be answered. The jurors must have noticed that Lori's family was not in the courtroom during closing arguments, and for most of the trial. Her son Colby wasn't there, nor were her parents Janice and Barry, and her sister Summer was also not there. That's got to tell the jurors something. For now, we wait with bated breath for news of a verdict. The verdict will be live-streamed, and I'm sure all eyes are going to be on Lori Vallow to see if she finally sheds some authentic tears, not for her deceased children, but rather for her new life permanently behind bars. Yes, I feel confident the jurors will find her guilty of some of the charges. Just some updates about today that I thought I'd throw on here. Kate Woodcock, J.J.'s grandmother, is wearing a blue and purple dress with a blue and purple necklace. Those are J.J. and Tylee's favorite colors. The public seating area in the courtroom is nearly full. Lori's attorneys are there, prosecutors Rob Wood and Rachel Smith as well. Larry Woodcock, J.J.'s beloved grandfather, walked into the courthouse playing The Party's Over on his iPad, and he was singing some of the lyrics, and he added, Lori, the party's over, and his t-shirt says, World's Greatest Papa. So sad. A line began forming at 4 a.m. outside the Ada County Courthouse this morning. Everybody is dying to know the verdict. That's all for now. Until the next time on Bed Crime Stories. Hey, do me a favor, smash that like button and subscribe to my channel.